You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. First of August, 2010. A triple zero call was made from Mount Drivet in Western Sydney. A little girl was missing. Her mother had tucked her into bed the night before, and by the next morning, she had vanished. I've just gotten up and I went to the toilet. Everybody's at my front door, was open and my daughter's not here. Just get the police on their way out there, okay? Well, what's your daughter? She's six. She's six? Yes. Have you checked all the units? No, 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 I've just gotten up. Okay, what's your name? Christy, I'm her mum. Okay, Christy, what's your last name? Abraham. What's your daughter's name? What is it? Kaisha. Bella. K I E S H A. Yep. Okay. So she, as far as you know, she would be in her pajamas, or you don't know. Yes, 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 she's in her pajamas. Okay. So what time would you have last seen her? Last night. I put her to bed last night, quarter ten. And do you have any other family that live in the unit block? No. Any no. neighbours that she would talk to? No. No. I've just let the police know. We've got police. We've got everybody on their way out to see you, okay? Yeah, yeah. And she's never done this. No, like, she gets up and plays, like, in the middle of the night. She looks at her. I'm caught her at her window before we went over, but I don't, I don't, think, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And do you, is it just the two of you that live there? I've got a two-year-old and a three-week-old baby. And are they still there? Yeah, they're, they're still here. They're still there? Yes. And, like, the, the kid's father, he, he as well. He's there as well? looking for her. Okay. Now, Christy, we have got everybody on their way out there. Yeah. So he's out yelling the streets for us? Yeah, he's gone looking for her. What's his name? Robert. Robert? Yeah, Robert. Robert who? Smith. And you've looked in all the cupboards? Yeah, he's not here. I looked everywhere. The caller was Christy Abrahams, the mother of the missing child, Kaisha. As police descended on the scene, they knew they had to act fast, as the first few hours of a child being reported missing are critical. They needed to speak to as many people as possible to put together a timeline of Kaisha's last known movements and try and narrow down leads as quickly as possible. Christie was no longer with Kaisha's biological father, Chris Whippet, so officers headed over to speak to him. At around 10.45 that morning, they talked with Chris, who said he had been at home with his mother before heading out to get a tattoo. Christie's best friend and neighbour, Alison Anderson, was desperate to help, and so she asked Christie if she had any suspects in mind 
Alison would later say, she said of Whippet, the effing so-and-so, he'd rode past the unit a week or so ago and did a gun sign with his fingers to Rob, who was hanging up the washing. She told Christy she needed to tell this to the police, but Christy wouldn't. Rob was Christy's partner, and she said that he had been out searching for her since they discovered she was missing. To try and generate leads, and also find Kaisha if she had simply left the unit and wandered off, a major search was conducted by police and volunteers. They scoured bushland, parks and reserves, hoping that it would lead them to the little girl. The fast-moving operation continued to gain momentum, and Strike Force Jarrison was formed. The police discovered that Kaisha hadn't been to school, or been seen by anyone else, since early July. The officer in charge, Detective Inspector Russell Oxford, said the last time she had been seen by immediate family was around the 7th of that month. She had been reported missing on the 1st of August. The three weeks in between were vital in putting together a timeline of events. Two days after the call to emergency services was made, Christy and Robert made appeals for any news of her whereabouts and for anyone with information to come forward. Anyone, someone must know something, please come forward. Well, how have the past 48 hours been for you and Christy? Can't describe how it's been. You don't know, you put yourself in my shoes. Just hope that she's found as soon as possible. That's what we need. Safe and well. How hard is it for you the longer this goes? It gets harder by the minute. She's always happy, bubbly, you know, love playing, you know, just like any kid would. Rob, do you have any idea that anyone who you might know who may have taken Christy, because the family obviously thought about long and hard about this, does anyone have any idea? I have no idea. If I had any idea, mate, we'd be there looking. The police have expressed hope. Obviously, everyone is hopeful. And that's one thing you've got to uh, hold on to. Definitely. We all love her and we all miss her. And if she can hear or see it, get to a phone or ring the police. We want her to come back safely. Do anything in your power to please come back home. Those in the community were desperate to find Kaisha and bring her home. Candlelit vigils were held and flowers and toys were laid out for the missing child. On the 30th of August, it was reported that Kaisha's father, Chris, was being questioned by the police. He was adamant that although he had been paying child maintenance, he hadn't seen Kaisha in years and had not had regular contact with her since he and Christy had separated. He was adamant he had nothing to do with her disappearance. Police said that they had received new information that he had allegedly been seen near the Woodstock Avenue block on the morning she went missing. Chris had been in hospital for the previous three weeks after complications from diabetes 
meant he had to have major foot surgery. His mother Liz said, I'm furious. She said that her son had not been kept up to date with the information about Kaisha's case. It has been 28 days. We have no idea what is going on. The police tell us nothing, then they show up here saying this. But there was something that was standing out to the police. What had initially appeared as a desperate mother and stepfather awaiting any news soon began to raise eyebrows. The behaviour of Christian Robert stood out to many as unusual. Neither of them had made any effort to join in the searches, and despite the fact her daughter was missing, life for Christy seemed to resume as normal. She would go and get her hair and nails done and go shopping. Her appearances in the media only aroused more suspicion. It just makes you sick in the stomach. Can we start again? The pair were adamant that they were innocent, and their friend and neighbour, Alison Anderson, became the spokeswoman for them and would defend them against the rumours that had begun to swirl. Alison gave a statement on their behalf, saying, The family wished to deny the recent allegations in the media. The family encouraged the public to come forward with any information that may assist police to find Kaisha. But please stop making baseless allegations. The family wished to be left alone to deal with the situation. You put yourself in their shoes. You couldn't imagine. And that's why this is the time when they need their friends and support and family. There was soon more controversy surrounding Kaisha's case. The mother of missing Sydney girl, Kaisha Abrahams, has accused a flea market of cashing in on her daughter's name. But the organisers have hit back, telling the mother what she should do. The Kaisha flea markets have been drawing a crowd at the Hebersham shops every Saturday for the past two months. But the organiser, Albert Lafayette, hasn't asked Kaisha's mother or stepfather for permission to use her name. And they say it's in poor taste. I think he's twisted and he's sick in the head for using my daughter's name. Albert Lafayette has no time for their complaint and is critical of them for not doing enough to find their six-year-old girl. Get off your ass and go look for your kid. Because uh, we are trying our, our best to try and um, uh, find closure and, and our community won't heal until we find some results on Kaisha. Stallholders pay a small fee to sell their toys and second-hand garage sale items for the morning. So far they've raised $300. Money, they say, will pay for a Christmas Day fate with Jumping Castle. But Christy Abrahams wants the market shut down, concerned that a bank account and a trust have not been set up. I think it's a scam because it's a high-profile case. Uh, it should be shut down until there is a trust fund in place. But despite her mother's request that they no longer use Kaisha's name out of respect for her, the organisers are vowing to run Kaisha's flea market every Saturday until Christmas. He's saying that this is all for a reason and it's all for awareness and Kaisha and it's for the kids, but where's the money going? Where's the proof? As the investigation continued to be carried out, Rob and Christine moved into a local motel. Alison agreed to help them move to their new property in Kings Langley. When they went into the unit, one of Kaisha's jumpers was lying on the floor. Christy said that the police had told her that there would be nothing belonging to Kaisha there, 
before she kicked the jumper away and began swearing. When Alison went into Kaisha's room, there was nothing there, no possessions or toys. A forensics team descended on the unit they had lived in with Kaisha. Something disturbing was revealed. Blood belonging to the missing child was found in every room. Christy Abrahams was brought in for an interview. Would there be any reason why there'd be more blood, not just in her unit, but throughout the unit? What are you trying to say? I'm just saying that when we forensically examined the unit, there's a, there's a amount of Kirsch's blood throughout the unit. And I'm just trying to ask you... Know. Ask you how that would have got there. I don't know. No? Okay. You're talking about the park around in Woodstock? Yes, right next door. Right next door? Yes. Okay, so for Robert to end up in Westfield at Mount Druitt, would that, is that unusual? What do you mean? Well, Robert's, when he's left your unit, he's gone into Westfield, all the way to Westfield, and looked inside Westfield. Like he's looked Druitt. all the way where we walked down to the Westfields. Yeah, but you don't take it to the shops. I do, well, like. Now, I've been through a whole week of her life, and she hasn't left the unit. So what are you trying to say? No, what I'm trying to say is, why did he end up down in Mount Druitt Shopping Centre? But he's look, he looked all the all around and to go to Mount Druitt. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that you don't take her shopping. Why would she go there? She's never been there, has she? She has. Maybe not the the week that you're talking about. Oh, you know what? This is over, seriously, because what are you trying to get at? All right, I'll move on. All I'm saying is, I'm saying that, Robert, why did he go to Westfield? That's all I'm asking. To so have question. a look. You would have seen, you would have got the CT. That's a lot, it's a lot, no, it's a long way from where you are. That's all. We're just trying to get to the bottom of this. You're very angry. Yeah, us. We're going to get to the bottom of what's happened to her. Yeah. And I hope you do, because, mate, I need to know. I think everybody needs to know. So, what are you trying to say, that we did something to her? Or... I didn't say that. Over the following weeks and months, the community continued to hold on to the hope that she was still alive but this would soon come crashing down. April 22nd, 2011. A huge announcement was made. Two people had been taken into custody on suspicion of the murder of Kaisha. None other than Christy Abrahams and Robert Smith. This arrest was the culmination of months of an intricate and complex undercover operation. An undercover officer would get close to Christy in the hope she would reveal what had happened to Kaisha. At a motel, the undercover officer met with her and, in order to win Christy's trust, the officer told her he needed to know the truth and that he could help her move the body. Christy Abrahams would finally confess. Base of the bed, like there's a bit of timber, and she watches hit her head on that. <laughs> Okay, and that's when you say that you did what? You took her in the shower then? Yes, I was trying to wake her up. I got the cold water and I tried to wake her up, but she wouldn't. The, the suitcase now, I need to know. He buried it in the hole, and then, then we went there and he put her in there. Who was carrying Keisha? She was sitting with the suitcase.
she said that Kaisha had been refusing to put her pyjamas on. And, in response, Christy gave her what she called a nudge with her foot. This resulted in Kaisha falling and hitting her head against the bed. She said Kaisha's body was like jelly, but said that she did respond when Christy had asked her to squeeze her finger. She said, and then she went funny, and then I put her in the shower to try and wake her up. She just started making weird noises. We thought it would go away, we really did. She stated that when she had checked on her the next morning, she wasn't breathing, but she didn't get her medical help. When describing how they had disposed of her body, she said, he put petrol on her and branches on her. Smith and Abrahams then took the undercover officer to the deposition site. It was here that the search for Kaisha came to a devastating end. Her little body was found in Bushland, near Shalvey, in Sydney's west. At 1.12am, Abrahams and Smith were both arrested in a laneway near their home. They were then charged. I'm watching. Huh? I'm watching. <laughs> it would have been Kaisha's seventh birthday. Today really has been a, a display of so much grief and anger, uh, particularly here at this unit complex, which has become the focal point for so much of the community since Kaisha dis- disappeared uh, nine months ago now. Um, certainly tonight, as a, a large crowd gathers behind me for what would have been a vigil to mark her seventh birthday, that gathering is taking on a, a very different tone, a lot more serious. And even though those remains that have been found in bushland, not very far from here at all, are yet to be identified, people already are starting to talk about planning for Kaisha's funeral. Skeletal remains found scattered around the reserve, popular with trail bike riders. An autopsy will be carried out on Monday to determine whether the remains are those of Kaisha, who would have turned seven today. Smith's father says he understands people's anger, but wants to hear the evidence at court before making up his mind. You've got to believe that your own son couldn't have a part in this, so yeah, that's what I want to believe. Jim Taupout was like a step-grandfather to Kaisha and played with her often. I miss her so much. It's been very arduous and very long investigation and something that um, I'm proud of the efforts of the police that worked on this case. And uh, we had tremendous community support all along the way. And I think uh, it was simply the case that we never wanted to give up on this matter. Today, the couple chose not to appear on video link as the matter was heard at Parramatta Local Court. Their lawyer told the court they were too distraught. So as you said, a public outpouring of, of emotion obviously started this morning and I no doubt it'll continue. I'm hurting, I'm angry, I just want to cry. It's Kaisha's birthday. Tonight, the thoughts of friends and relatives of Kaisha Abrahams are firmly with the little girl as they once again hold vigil. Adrian Rochella, ABC News, Sydney. For those officers who had been watching the couple for months, it was a bitter end to a tragic case. A candlelit vigil had been planned for Kaisha's birthday, and hundreds turned up to pay their respects, many voicing their anger and disgust at how things had panned out. One card read, Happy birthday, Kaisha. You deserved a better life here, in your time on Earth. 
At two o'clock on Good Friday, police informed Kaisha's grandmother Liz that Abrahams and Smith had been arrested. This devastating news sent shockwaves throughout Kaisha's family and the local community. The little girl they had helped look for, prayed for, and kept in their hearts was gone. A community gives up hope for little Kaisha. It just breaks my heart. They've been praying for her for so long. An emotional community turned its anger on her mother Run and stepfather. Family friends who once supported the couple felt their sympathy had been abused and marched on Mount Druitt Police Station. What's in my heart is happiness for Kaisha, sadness and a lot of mixed emotions. It was a more sombre group that gathered at the shrine outside the unit where Kaisha went missing. The overwhelming show of support for her continued as they placed toys, balloons and lit candles. The shrine has been in place since the little girl disappeared, a sign the community hadn't given up hope. She's loved in so many different ways by people that she never, ever knew. Charged with murdering their six-year-old girl, Kaisha's mother, Christy Abrahams, and stepfather, Robert Smith, were taken to court this morning, left in no doubt about the community's rage. In September 2011, Kaisha's private funeral was held. Before the funeral, Chris said... I want Kaisha to leave this earth, knowing how much she was loved. And I want her put to rest the way she deserves. They also requested that mourners wear Kaisha's favourite colour, purple. Abrahams and Smith had both put in requests to be able to attend the funeral. But Chris said hell would freeze over before he would let that happen, adding... My family are the ones left to deal with all of this and arrange the best send-off for Kaisha that she deserves. And I'm telling you, they are not coming. Their request to attend were denied. On the 28th of September 2011, a public memorial was held for Kaisha. A choir of Kaisha's cousins and friends said goodbye. It wouldn't be fair to say you're in a better place now because you deserve to be here enjoying your childhood, going into a woman and experiencing life. I pray that none of you would have to enjoy the suffering and the pain that we had to go through. <laughs> we never get over something like this. Somehow, together, we learn to cope. The girl's grandmother was at the church. She didn't speak relying instead on family and friends to thank the public and police. She can be never stolen from our memories. She's been stolen from us from Earth, but not from our memories or our hearts. Father Edward Dooley says mourning for Kaisha Whippet has been huge and it's time for healing in the family and the community. Letitia Lemke, ABC News, Mount Druitt. Many questions needed to be answered, one of them being... How had this tragedy unfolded? When the truth was revealed, it would leave people outraged. Christie's early life had been marred by domestic violence. She had both witnessed and been subjected to violence at the hands of her father. Her mother had epilepsy, and when she was ten years old, she heard her mother having a seizure. She was alone with her little brother, who was just three years old. 
when she went to help her mother, she had tragically died from the seizure. Her father didn't want custody of his children. So, following this, she and her younger brother were put into foster care and spent time in various group homes. As a young teenager, she was examined by a psychologist who determined that due to an intellectual disability, she needed to be with an appropriate family who could provide her with the correct emotional support and by the age of 16, she was in a girl's refuge. When she was 19 years old, she met Chris Whippet through his brother Matthew and a romantic relationship quickly formed. Not long after, Christy was pregnant. Soon into her pregnancy, Chris had found Christy punching her stomach following an argument between the pair. Things seemed to simmer down for a while and the pregnancy continued. On the 6th of February 2003, she gave birth to their son, Aidan. Community services officers visited the house and found nothing seemingly untoward with Aidan, apart from Christy giving him one scoop of formula instead of two. After another fight between the pair, the police were called. Chris said, I'm Aidan's dad. His mum's not coping and she mixes her medication. She threw my clothes and stereo off the balcony last night and threw a lit candle at me while she had Aidan in her arms. The wax went everywhere and nearly burnt him. She's up all night with Aidan and has threatened to throw him off the balcony if he doesn't shut up and let her sleep. I don't know what to do. Christy refused to open the door to the officer, but after talking to a community services worker, the officer believed that Aidan would be removed that night. But this didn't happen. Just six weeks later, tragedy would strike. March 22nd, 2003. Chris's mother Liz saw her son arriving at the house on his bike. The news he had was horrifying. He told her, Aidan's blue and he's dead and he's cold. Christy's up there screaming and screaming, Mum. I found him and he was on his face. Liz went straight to the unit and found Christy holding Aidan, screaming that he was cold and to get another blanket. He was taken to hospital, but there was nothing that could be done. Little Aidan had died. The post-mortem found no signs of abuse, and his cause of death was unascertained. Just over one year later, Christy gave birth to their second child in April 2004, a little girl, Kaisha. The pair began arguing again. She told Chris that it was over and he needed to leave for good. As he packed his things, Christy followed him and they carried on rowing. Kaisha was just 15 months old at the time and started crawling towards the couple. Chris said Christy stormed towards Kaisha and picked her up by the neck before carrying her through to the living room and dumping her on the sofa. Kaisha began to crawl off again. Christy responded by picking her up and biting her on the shoulder, leaving Kaisha screaming in pain. Chris immediately called the police. Kaisha was taken to the hospital and Christy would be convicted and given a 12-month good behaviour bond. 
Chris was originally given custody of Kaisha. However, the Department of Community Services, now the Department of Family and Community Services, put Kaisha into foster care. On the 15th of October 2006, Christy was arrested for having outstanding warrants for driving without a licence. Just two months later, and after taking part in anger management counselling, Kaisha was returned to her. A year later, Christy was pregnant again with a second daughter. During a hospital visit, a nurse saw a bruise on Kaisha's face and reported it. A caseworker spoke with Kaisha the following day, and Kaisha could not explain how it had happened. There was also a cigarette burn on her body, and she said, Mum hit there. Mum did that. But no further action was taken. Kaisha lived in such a state of fear, her mother raising her arm in conversation would cause her to flinch. At this point, Christy was in a new relationship with a man called Robert Smith. By June 2010, Christy was pregnant for a fourth time. Christy called her father, someone at the centre of much of her unhappiness, and asked him to take Kaisha. She told him, I'm sick of her. I will hurt her. I really will hurt her. I will kill her. Liz, Chris's mother, didn't even know Kaisha was back living with Christy until the police arrived at her house saying the little girl was missing and they needed to search the property. Over the course of her life, several reports had been made by family members and neighbours regarding injuries on Kaisha. Education officials also made various trips to the home, as Kaisha had only been to school four times in her whole life. And when she had gone, teachers had reported seeing bruises on her head and face. Between January and July 2010, truant officers made seven trips to the home, but each time the door was locked and they got no answer. They then informed Christy that they would be taking legal action against her regarding Kaisha's school attendance. Alison said the last time she had seen her was on July 11th at around 4.30 in the afternoon. Kaisha was in the car and Christy was stood outside smoking. Alison would later say, Kaisha asked if she could hop out of the car. Christy said, No, you effing can't. Shut up and sit in the car. That was the last time I heard or saw Kaisha. As the initial investigation began, the behaviour of Abrahams and Smith stood out. When looking back at the press appeals, Liz, Chris's mother, said, A lot of flashbacks come into your head. I'd seen it before with Aidan. That's why I knew something was going on. It wasn't tears when Kaisha was missing. I'd seen it before. There was no inquest held into Aidan's death. But after Kaisha was killed, a senior official said there probably should have been one. And following their arrests, Detective Inspector Russell Oxford said they would consider reopening the investigation into Aidan's death. Abrahams and Smith then went about attempting to destroy any evidence they thought could link them to Kaisha's death. They took things out of the property 
and threw away shoes and clothes, along with the SIM cards from their phones. In order to maintain the image that Kaisha was loved and cared for, and that they hoped she was still alive, they went out and brought children's toys and a Tinkerbell poster for when she came home. Forensic pathologist Dr Matthew Ord had carried out the examination of Kaisha's remains. She had fractures to her teeth and ten different injuries to her body and head. Her jawbone had been broken in two places. Dr Ord said, These types of injuries are mainly found in children who have suffered severe, prolonged physical abuse, adding they would have left her in considerable pain. Following her death, her mother and stepfather kept her little body in a suitcase. After several days, they burned her body and buried her in a shallow grave. They threw away the hammer used to dig the grave and also burned the suitcase her body had been kept in. After this, they got a taxi home. In late November 2012 more tragedy would strike. Chris, Kaisha's father, passed away suddenly. He was found by his mother and he had been suffering from various health issues, including diabetes, and had also been battling substance abuse. He went to bed and then didn't wake up. Before court proceedings began, Alison Anderson went to see Abrahams in prison. She asked her former friend why she had lied throughout the investigation and left people wondering for months where Kaisha was. The first thing for Christy to say to her former friend was, Have you seen Robs? What are you doing here? Alison asked why Christy had used her and lied to her, and why, if she was struggling to cope, she hadn't given Kaisha to a family member or her to look after. Alison then shouted at her, You rot in jail, you filthy pig kid killer. She then took her shirt off to reveal a purple shirt with a voice for Kaisha written on it, something she would later wear throughout the trial. Alison said the only response from Abrahams was, Use rot in hell. Abrahams also blew a kiss at her. The prison guards had to pull Alison away and she was subsequently banned from going back to the prison for life. She decided against visiting Robert Smith, saying it wouldn't achieve anything or give people the answers they needed. July 18th, 2013 As the police van pulled up at the Sydney Supreme Court, there were angry reactions from members of the public, with people chasing the van and shouting. The courtroom was packed. Abrahams turned her back on the public gallery and looked only in the direction of the judge. On the first day of her trial, Christy Abrahams entered a plea of guilty to the murder of her daughter after the Crown had previously rejected her plea of manslaughter. 
What we heard was startling. Abrahams admitted she'd given Kaisha a little nudge, then put her in the shower to wake her up, but without success, put her to bed. The next morning, Kaisha was dead. But dental expert Alan Middleton disputes that version, telling the court the fractures to Kaisha's teeth were caused by much more than a little nudge. In fact, he believes Kaisha was hit four to five times with forces from multiple directions, which left the six-year-old with fractures equivalent to an adult sporting injury. Inside the quarters, Christy Abraham stood and said the word guilty. She was emotionless. Then, after the judge left the room, there was an eerie silence as everyone just stood watching as Christy Abrahams was led down to the cells. Christy Abrahams was sentenced to serve at least 16 years, with a maximum of 22 and a half years, in prison for murder and interfering with a corpse. As her sentence was handed down by Justice Ian Harrison, she showed no reaction. Cries from the public gallery could be heard. Justice Harrison said, The trust placed between a parent and child is of the highest and utmost importance. Abraham's caused the death of Kaisha with the infliction of a violent, lethal force on what was a vulnerable and defenceless child in her care who is entitled to expect and receive her attention. Justice Harrison found that while she hadn't intended to take Kaisha's life, she had meant to cause grievous bodily harm. He also said that he could not be sure beyond a reasonable doubt who was responsible for the other injuries that Kaisha had sustained prior to her death. He rejected her account of what had happened, but said that the evidence could not adequately explain exactly what had happened. He noted that Christy Abrahams had been abused as a child, and said that what had happened to Kaisha was the inevitable product of entire intergenerational failures, adding, The death of the deceased is the foreseeable and predictable consequence of preventable, cyclic abuse. The offender's failures are mirrored in the failures of others. Justice Harrison did find beyond a reasonable doubt that she had recklessly failed to look after Kaisha after she had become injured, which amounted to reckless indifference to human life. Robert Smith was tried separately. On the 3rd of May 2013, he was sentenced to a minimum of 12 years for manslaughter and being an accessory to murder. Christy Abrahams will be eligible for parole in 2027. For her former friend, Alison Anderson, the sentence wasn't good enough. She said, It's just horrifying, knowing she can be out when she's 46. Does having a bad upbringing and abuse give you the right to go and take people's lives? She knew what she was doing. It's just a cop-out. Kaisha was killed by a cold-blooded murderer. The knock-on effect of Kaisha's case was huge. So many people had been betrayed, lied to and left broken. They hoped that they would be able to bring Kaisha home and put all of their efforts into making this happen. One person who was particularly affected was Alison Anderson. 
While she had had her own concerns from the beginning of the investigation, she had desperately wanted to believe that her friend had had nothing to do with whatever had happened to Kaisha. Now faced with the realisation that she had been lied to the entire time, it was an incredibly painful and devastating thing to come to terms with. Alison had also been in foster care as a child and experienced abuse, meaning that this was incredibly personal to her. She would later go on to become a qualified youth worker and use her skills to help those who were vulnerable and in need so more children don't fall through the cracks. I'm watching. I'm watching. (laughs) Childhood should be a time of innocence, wonder and joy. But for little Kaisha Whippet, it was a time of torment, fear and pain. She should have been able to grow up in a happy and safe environment, free from abuse and free to flourish and grow. Those who loved her are determined that she will never, ever be forgotten and that she will always be loved. Kaisha's headstone reads, You are not just a memory or part of our past. You're part of our family as long as it lasts. <laughs> 